this was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. But the giant moves, he's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush and I touch air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Yep. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thank you for being here. If you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. That's theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the contact section, and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me, just get a hold of me. And if you want extra shows every week, on Thursdays, we release a bonus show for members on the website. So that is an exclusive episode every week for members to the website site. If that interests you, go to theconfessionalspodcast.com and join today. I just got done doing a live Instagram chat with people on Instagram this morning as I record this for tomorrow's show. And it's a lot of fun talking with people on Instagram live. There are a lot of cool people there. So if you're interested in joining that community, look us up, The Confessionals Podcast on Instagram and myself on Instagram as Tony Merkel or my handle, which is Merkification. Good luck spelling that. Now this week we have a great show coming up. Jason is coming on as a former law enforcement officer to share his Bigfoot experiences. And then after Jason, we're bringing on Jerry, who is a teacher who's traveled the world and has a way of making people feel comfortable with him to share their Bigfoot experiences. And he is going to be relaying those experiences with us today. So without any further delay, let's get to it. All right, today we have Jason coming on the show. Jason, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good, Tony. Thanks for asking. How are you? I'm doing good, doing good. So uh, you're going to be talking Bigfoot to me today, and uh, yep. you've had two different Bigfoot encounters, one in North Carolina and one in Georgia. And uh, the North yep. Carolina one, you said uh, you were with a group of people. So talk to me, man. What happened? Lay it out for us. Well, at the time, I was uh, in, I was with the, uh, the BFRO, and uh, one of our people had 
set up some camera traps on right on the Iwari Trail. I don't know if you're familiar with Iwari National Forest, it's right outside of Salisbury, North Carolina. Um, there's a, a very uh, a kind of famous um, video that came out of here, uh, the light green squeaky footage. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Yeah. Where the uh, Bigfoot belly crawls up and he gets it all on uh, all on night vision. This was about three miles uh, north of that, by you know, by the by where the uh, by the crow flies, and uh, so we were hiked in, and we found the spot where uh, where they set up the cameras. Um, it was just a little low area, this little flat area. A little while before, my buddy Tommy, who had set up the cameras, him and his friends went in and camped in this spot. And as soon as they started to get their sense tied up, uh, I'm sorry, they got their tents set up, uh, they started getting rocks thrown at. And this happened all night. Uh, they didn't get a wink of sleep. Uh, two of the guys uh, that were with him had never been out before. And they, as far as I know, they've never gone back in the woods since. Uh, this was in like 2008 that this was going on. So we went back in, a bunch of us, to get the cameras to see what was going on. And for some reason, they had set the cameras on the ground with no um, no locks or anything on them. So when we got there, we were looking for the first camera. It was on, of course. And then the second one uh, was up this little hill a little ways. So I went up there to look for it and didn't see anything. So I decided I was going to walk up a little farther. And uh, when I got up there, uh, my buddy Tommy, the guy who set the cameras, uh, made a pop with his tongue. Um, kind of, it's, you know, really loudly. It sounds kind of like a tree knock. He does it really, really loudly. And I turned around, and that's just Tommy screwing around. And as I turned back, uh, this thing started standing up in front of me. It was probably about 15 or 20 feet away. And it just kept on standing up. Um, it, it felt like it took forever for the thing to get to its full height. And as it was getting to its full height, it was walking away. Uh, I only got a view of its back. Um, I didn't see a face or anything like that, but I did see feet. And it walked down the hill. Now, keep them, at this point in my life, I was a law enforcement officer, so I had a gun on me, and everything in my body was telling me to pull my gun, but I couldn't get to it. I was just, I was paralyzed. Looking back on it, I think it was fear. I don't know if I got, you know, what they call zapped, but I was terrified. Uh, so much so that I threw up right there on the spot. I know it's it doesn't sound great, but it actually happened. And uh, Finally, I got my breath back, and I started screaming for Tommy. And a couple people came running up the hill. And when they got up there, I just pointed in one direction because I was bent over. And they went over there. No one saw anything. They did see the brush moving. They saw the part of the, uh, the area where it walked away, walked down the hill. Um, so we looked around a little longer. We didn't find where there was definitely a, a worn out place where it was sitting on the ground when it stood up by me. Um, and aside from that, that's pretty much about that. That's about all that happened. But, I mean, we kept looking and looking and looking. We couldn't find anything else that day. So you threw up after seeing this thing. Uh, and, yeah. Yeah. and you said, you know, you weren't sure if it was because you got zapped, things like that. Uh, what, were you like incredibly scared when you saw this thing that would, maybe would have made you throw up? Or were you just like, you know, other than seeing a Sasquatch, everything was pretty much normal. And then you just got sick yeah, and threw up yourself. Yeah. Everything was normal. <laughs> I think looking back on it now, I think that I was just scared. Um, for a while, I thought I had gotten zapped, but I didn't have the feeling of dread. I didn't have any of the other feelings people talked about. So I think to, I think I was just really, really scared. Because, you know, I've been a believer pretty much my whole life since I was a kid. 
you know, back when I saw the uh, Patterson Gimlin footage for the first time. And then we saw um, Legend of Boggy Creek, my brother and a friend of ours and I. And uh, <laughs> we went out after that, afterwards, we went outside into the woods. We were living in Georgia at the time. And there was a big dog that lived down the street, and he started howling and screaming and you know, barking. And my brother convinced me it was a Bigfoot coming to get me, <laughs> even though I knew it was a dog. Yeah, and, you know, big brothers, they do that kind of thing. And uh, since then, I've been hooked. I've been obsessed. So, you know, everything that I read, you know, every book I've ever read, everything I've ever read about the subject, you know, thinking back on it now, I was just terrified, you know. And you don't, you don't expect it. You know, it's not supposed to be there until you actually see something you don't. You know, there's just a little bit of inside you that says, no, it can't be true. And then all of a sudden, this thing that's not supposed to be there stands up in front of me. And so I think I was just terrified at the point at that. Yeah, all right. So this happens in North Carolina. Um, how long ago from now did that happen? Uh, this is uh, 2008, uh, like February of 2008, February. Yeah, I think end of February. Okay. So, I mean you spent most of your life obsessed with something that you never saw. Did you ever expect right. you to actually see that thing? No, I wasn't expecting it at all. I mean, I've been on, you know, like I said, I was with the BFR. I've been on a bunch of different trips with them, a bunch of different expeditions. I've heard wood knocks, I've heard howls, you know, had rocks thrown, things like that, but I have never seen anything. You know, I've, I've seen a couple of footprints, but I've never seen a you know, huge physical evidence like that. So I wasn't expecting anything. Yeah, I was expecting just, you know, a nice walk in the woods on a cold February day with my friends, you know, making fun, you know, having fun and laughing, you know, being out looking for this thing. And, you know, you never expect it. And of course, it was the middle of the afternoon. You know, it was nice and bright and sunny outside. So I'm not thinking anything is going to be there. And then all of a sudden it's there. So what do you think was going on there? I mean, it, you see this thing in the middle of the day and, and most people, you know, usually don't come across them during the day. Do you think right. it was just chilling there? Or do you think it had a purpose there? I think, honestly, I, th I think that it was a century or a lookout for the rest of the, the family group. Because um, that area of the URI is, you know, the, the word hotbed is used way too much, I think. But I think, you know, that's exactly what that part of the URI is. Uh, there's tons and tons of sightings. Uh, there's tons of evidence. There's a bunch of stuff, you know. And I, th I think he was on the lookout for for anything that would disturb everyone else from sleep. Yeah, you know, and you hear about the sentry idea and stuff of these things that haven't. One of them is uh, as a lookout and stuff. And right. if these things are as smart as they are, and uh, they do travel together, uh, that would make sense to me. And I, I've often thought about the sentry idea and stuff, and it it definitely seems plausible to me. Uh, you know, there, I think it's well. I mean, you know, lions travel in packs and things like that, and right. and within yeah. the the packs of different animal groups and stuff. There are pecking orders. There are jobs. Wolves right. are the same way. And so I, I would imagine it would be a very similar situation. I think so, too. It makes perfect sense if you really think about it. I mean, I mean, if you really think about it, you know, I saw some unclassified thing right around the woods, so it doesn't really make sense. But you, you don't understand what I'm saying. If, if, you know, they're trying to hide themselves, they're going to have someone looking out for them. You know, it's because you never know, especially in that part of the water, there's a lot of people that go through there. Uh, it's really popular with the Boy Scouts and hiking and stuff like that. And even on the other side, they have um, you know off-road trails and stables and things like that. It's just a huge park. It's awesome up there. But yeah, that's I, honestly, I do think it was somebody looking out for the whole pack or for the whole family group. How big would you say that thing was? Uh, it was taller than me, and I'm six three. Um, so it's, if I had to estimate, I would throw it around seven foot tall. 
Because like I said, it, it took forever for the thing to stand up, it seemed like. By saying that, do you think it was because you had like this adrenaline rush, or do you think it was moving up slowly, almost like it was trying to be... I, I think it may have been a, a bit of an intimidation factor. Because um, like I said, I didn't see its face, but it stood up slowly and started walking away from me. So I think it was one of those, hey, I'm here, I'm bigger than you, I'm not going to do anything about it, I'm just going to leave, that kind of thing. Just don't follow me, was, you know, <laughs> I, uh, there's no way in hell I would have followed that thing, to begin with. You know, it didn't deter me from going in, back in the woods, but at that moment in time, there's no way you could have gotten me to move in more than five feet. Yeah. And, you know, I've been, I've been in some, some hairy situations when I, I was in law enforcement, I worked in a jail for a long time. You know, and I've been, you know, in a pod of, of of inmates that you know, one one officer to you know, thirty five inmates that don't like cops. You know, I've been in some hairy situations. You know, I'm, I was trained for. It. You know, I was on the 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 cert team, the the extraction cell extraction team, and all that stuff. And you know, this thing, I don't want nothing to do with it. Yeah. Now you bring up the law enforcement, and uh, I was wondering, you know, and this this may not have applied to your situation that you just described right. to us, but. Uh, you know, you hear people say that, you know, law enforcement officers see these things and uh, the credibility of it and all that stuff. But uh, is there anything about your training that you go through with law enforcement that you think could pre- could have prepared you for what you experienced? Um, not really. I'm the only, you know, you're, you're trained to, to look for details. You're trained to look for you know, small things, minute details and assess everything quickly. But you're not, you know, you're also, you know, you do have combat, not really combat training, but you have training, you know, in riot containment, things like that. So you're supposed to be able to, you know, handle, you know, big situations like that. But, you know, this is, you know, like nothing, this is nothing like, you know, dispersing a crowd. You know, this is, this is something totally different. Absolutely. And I can understand that. I always wondered that and stuff. And I don't talk to a whole lot of law enforcement officers myself, at least not yet. And uh, it's one of those questions that you always just wonder, like, you, you guys go through the training and stuff for that. And I just always wondered, like, is the training that you receive in that, is there anything about it that could prepare you for experiencing something like a Bigfoot, you know, or a dog man well, or something I, crazy like that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you, you're also you know, you're trained to remain calm in situations, which oh, excuse me. Of course, my training just blew out the window on that. I did not remain calm. I freaked out. But you know, you you are trained to remain calm. And normally, I'm an extremely calm person. You know, it's you know, <laughs> like my wife is the one that freaks out about everything, and I'm I'm calm. You know, I, I handle situations. I'm good in the, in a uh, I'm good in the crisis. But this is just something I've never dealt with before. Yeah, I totally get it, man. Uh, when you saw this thing stand up and you were approaching the area, you know, you people people say that they they smelled something. Did you smell anything, or did it all seem? I did natural? not get no. I didn't get a whiff of anything. Uh, it was also extremely cold. I think the night before it got down to two degrees. Um, you know, one of the, it was one of the coldest winters in North Carolina history, and uh, I, so I didn't smell a thing. Gotcha. Well, what about Georgia, man? What happened in Georgia? We were on, I was actually on, it was, this is in North, North Georgia, um, just, uh, just outside of White County, which is where Helen is, and also the, uh, the Chattahoochee National Forest. Um, it was a group of people, it was, it was actually a BFRO trip. Uh, we, this, the second night we were out, uh, they had done, uh, the guy that was running the show had done a, ex, uh, a, a week-long expedition the week before, and he was doing another one this week. So I came out, I uh, took some time off work and drove out there. I was still 
Some law enforcement. And he asked me since I've been on you know a bunch of trips and you know we knew each other personally. Also, I could take a group, take this group of the guys, because uh, they had never been out. I said, yeah, absolutely, no problem. So we walked down this trail, probably about quarter, three quarters of a mile to a mile. And he's the guy who's running the show. was placing groups at each spot, and we were I think the third group to to sit. And we had this nice, once again, nice little uh, flat area. It was right next to the trail. A hill right behind us and a creek in front of us. And we're sitting there, and you know, we're chatting, and everyone's you know having fun and laughing. And I was standing in the middle of the trail, and probably about thirty minutes after we got there, um, I felt something hit my leg, and I looked down, and there was an acorn at my feet. Like, huh? I can't tell if I'd been there before. You know, like if I saw something hit me, it could have been a bug. I don't know. So I said, okay, that's interesting. I'll just note that. And then about five minutes later, I got hit in the chest with the same thing. And I looked down, and I looked down in time to see it actually fall. I'm like, okay, one of these guys is probably throwing acorns at me. So I, I had a uh, night division monocle at the time. So I fired up, and I look around, and the guys are all behind me. Like, oh, that's interesting. Okay. So I said to the guys, I say, hey, guys, I, th- I just got hit with an acorn in the chest. Uh, from in front of me and they all just went completely quiet and I looked back at them and they all bunched up into like really tight group which is great so if something's coming to get us it'll be really easy for them because everybody's you know within a five foot ring over so I keep looking keep listening and all of a sudden I hear something walking down the hill in front of us and so I fire up my my monoc- my night vision and I didn't see anything but I could still hear it, and it was definite footfalls. You know, it wasn't like um, you, know, you hear a deer walking; it's just you know, just one little stick because you know they got the tiny feet. It was you know, so, you know, the thump, the thump of bipedal walking. It's like, all right, guys, I think we have something coming in here. Let's just be quiet. And they all start freaking out, and I again asked them to be quiet. And then the the footfalls stopped. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna you know, turn on the night vision again. So I turn it on and I look behind this tree that's probably about 30 feet in the back of the clearing. And there's a little lump sticking out the side of it. And I have no idea what it is. I'm like, all right, that might just be part of the tree. And then the lump moved. And I saw an eyeball and half of a head stick out. Like, okay, that's, that's, that's interesting as well. So I dropped the monocular. I'm like, okay, uh, let me look again. No one's going to believe any of this, unfortunately. So I look up again, and the head, almost the whole head is sticking out. At that point, I saw an eye and a half. I saw a nose. Um, no, the mouth wasn't open. You know, I saw the head, and I saw one hand grasping the side of the tree. And then it shot back in. So it's definitely something alive at this point. So I keep looking, and I get on the radio to tell the leader the, you know, what's going on. And, of course, I can't get him because we're in the woods, and it's, you know, those... You know, cheap Walmart radios are line of sight. They can't really go very far. So I look again, and the thing's looking at me again, but this time from the tree next to it. So I was looking out the other other side, but on the, uh, there was two trees like five feet apart, so it had moved. I didn't hear it move, but it had moved. So I tell the guys what's going on and grab one of them and give him the monocular because I need you know, a witness here, you know, a corroborating story. And he couldn't figure out which tree I was pointing at. And as he's looking, all of a sudden we hear walking 
to the side of us where the other guys are sitting. And this time it's two sets of feet that are making these footfalls. And uh, we it, we hear it go across the trail, down a little ways from us, and then we hear two sets of footfalls walking through the creek, through the water, and then we don't hear it anymore, and then about 15 seconds later, we're back up on the hill. And they're walking away, and then we didn't hear anything else after that. So you had other guys with you, and uh, other guys actually were able to identify this as well, right? Well, they actually, they didn't see it. They heard it. Everyone heard them walking away. Everyone heard them walking. But uh, the guy that I gave them the night vision to couldn't see it. He couldn't figure out which tree I was pointing at. And when he was trying to figure it out, they started walking away. Gotcha. So, uh, I mean, when you're going through these experiences and other people are around and stuff, uh, do you think that hinders the experience or do you think that enhances it for you? I mean, sometimes, you know, you might find more comfort because of the people around you, or are you the kind of guy that's like, man, I might've gotten more if it was just me. Um, that was kind of 50, 50. Um, the guys that were with me, I didn't know any of them. They couldn't couldn't see anything. I mean, I would love to have someone with me so they could see the same thing I'm seeing. So people don't think I'm, you know, an idiot or something, you know, so I can get a corroborating story. So I'd love to have someone with me if something ever happened again. Mm-hmm. Then again, you know, that other side of me kicks in and says, you know, if I'm alone, this is going to be even better, you know, because, you know, they're going to be more apt to approach one person than they are going to approach six, you know. So it's, you know, it's, it's 50 50 on that. I think it would be cool to have someone there so they could see the same thing, so, you know, they could tell the same story. But it's also cool to experience it by yourself, and you might get more by yourself, too. Right. Now, when you saw this thing through the night vision, were you able to yep. tell, first of all, I guess, how big this thing was? But were you able to even maybe get to that location at some point to check out the area? Yeah, we went back the next day, um, and I was able to point out the tree and everything, and there was definite movement behind the tree. Uh, you know, the, the brush was disturbed behind the tree. There were no actual footprints. Um and oddly enough, there were no footprints over by the creek either. I think they walked, in my opinion, they walked through the creek far enough where they wouldn't make footprints. Uh, but yeah, they were definitely behind that tree. Um, and from where they were, uh, we estimated they were going to be about, uh, one was in, uh, the one I saw was like about five feet tall. So what I think it was, I think it was two juveniles messing with us. Um, now, you never know. It could have been, you know, mom and dad said to you, hey, stay here. We're going to go hunt. And, you know, they heard people down there and they came to see what was going on. So I don't think we were in actual any real danger unless, of course, Dad showed up. You know, then you, know, you never know what's going to happen. Absolutely. So you're part of the BFR. Are you still part of the BFRO, by the way? No, I'm not. No. Now, being part of the BFRO expeditions, I mean, I think you said the first one you were on some kind of expedition with the BFRO as well, right? I was uh, kind of an unofficial thing. Uh, it was a bunch of people from there, but it was, you know, we didn't. It was just, hey, let's go camping this weekend kind of thing. Okay, I got you. Uh, you know, I've never, I've, I'm not part of the BFRO, and I've never been part of the BFRO. Uh, and I, I was always curious, you know, uh, do you think that, you know, the BFRO has, um, is helpful in the way where they put you in certain situations to optimize the, ab- the ability to have a experience? Or do you think that, you know, and I'm not, this isn't to bash BFRO or anything like that. I'm just saying... Uh, BFRO as a group, you know, going out in a group and stuff in general, do you think that would just kind of hinder the overall experience because of being too many people maybe? Well, um, I, I, I would never say anything bad about the BFRO or Matt Moneymaker. Um, but, 
all the expeditions and trips that I went on, nothing ever happened. Um, so I think that's, you know, it's, you know, cause they take, you know, 30, 40 people out there at once. And that's just way too many people making way too much noise. And if we you know, if we can believe anything about these creatures, they don't like to be around people. So, you know, you, that many people, you're not going to get much. However, on the other side, they do give people an incredible experience. You know, I mean, how many people really are, are, you know, get to go out and look for Bigfoot? You know, you can sign up, you can do all this stuff. They take you out to the spots where they know their stuff. And even if you don't see anything, it's still exciting. You know, because you get to hear stories around the campfire. You get to interact with people that are the same of like mine. And no one's going to call you crazy at these things. It's a lot of fun. But on the other side, like I said, you get that many people in the woods at night making that much noise. You're not even going to see a raccoon, you know? Yeah. So, uh, going out there with the BFRO and going out there, you know, looking for these things, uh, I'm assuming you've been around other people that have seen them as well. Um, how do I say it? Cause you, you never saw Bigfoot before 2008 and you were, you know, linked up with BFRO guys when that happened. Uh, but I'm trying to gauge because I know for me, even personally, I've never seen one and I've gotten to the point where, I mean, one, I don't go out like I used to anymore either. So right. that, that hinders my uh, ability, but uh, yeah, you, got, you got some other stuff going on right now. Yeah. So. You know, it's kind of hard, <laughs> but, uh, you know, for me, I, I, I often say, you know, I've never seen Bigfoot and the odds are I never will see Bigfoot. And I, I find myself getting to the point where I, I'm, I'm comfortable with the idea. It's not, it doesn't, it, I'm not upset about right. it, but it's like, I'm probably never going to see this thing. Um, going leading up to 2008 before you saw that Bigfoot uh, being surrounded by other people who have seen Bigfoot, did that help motivate you to keep going until you had that encounter or did it not really matter? It, it, it did, but it, 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 it motivated me. But on the other hand, you know, I'm just out having fun. You know, this is something I love to do. It, it, it calms me down being in the woods. These are my friends. I like being with them. You know, I like reading about the stuff. I like looking at the stuff online. I like interacting with people. So, if I, you know, I would have told you before it happened, if I never see one, oh, well, you know, I still have the experiences of going out and having a good time. I have all the stuff that I've learned, all the crap in my head, books I've read. So if I don't see one, oh, well, I don't really, you know, it didn't matter that much to me. I'd like to see one, of course. You know, I'd like to see one again. But if I never do again, it's okay, because I already have these experiences locked in my head, you know, and I get to talk about them to some people sometimes, you know, and it's a lot of fun. So, yeah, I mean, if, if it never happens again, great. If it does, awesome. But being around with other people that have the experiences, getting to listen to them and their experiences helps a lot because it makes you even, you know, you know, want to learn more about it and get more involved. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it helps. It's, you know, I'm the kind of guy who's, I, I don't care what happens anymore. You know, I've got other stuff going on now, so I really don't devote as much time as I used to to it. You know, with, you know, four kids and all that other good stuff, you know, full-time job and everything. Yeah. So, you know, I read about it, you know, I watch videos, I listen to your podcast, I listen to some of course, you know, so, I, you know, I get my, my big push six when I can, but at this point in my life, I'd like to get back into it, but if I don't, I don't. Yeah, I totally get it. Uh, so let me pull a, a Wes Germer Sasquatch Chronicles question for you. <laughs> uh, what do you think these things are? Well... I used to think that it was, you know, a non-classified, upright, uh, bipedal uh, ape living in North America. But the more I think about it, um, I don't know now. You know, because I've heard so many things and there's been so many weird experiences that just can't be explained. 
you know, and I think at this point in my life, the, the words, I don't know, are a suitable explanation. I know enough to know that I have no clue. You know, I'm not one of these guys online who, oh, I know everything about it. You know, I, I have no idea. You know, I'm open to anything at this point. Is it paranormal? I don't know. You know, is it is it alien? I do not know. I don't know if it's, you know, government. I don't know. I'd like to find out. I mean, I would love to say, I love it if it was just, you know, uh, you know, just an animal. But it might be an animal with, you know, different abilities than we ever have ever seen before. You know, we don't know enough about ourselves. How can we know something about this thing? You know? Yeah. And I, I, I totally understand what you're saying, man. Uh, I'm very comfortable saying I don't know. I always have been. Uh, because uh, when, you, when you try explaining things and then talking like everything's factual that comes out of your mouth, it's a quick way to make yourself look real stupid. So exactly. <laughs> if I don't know, I just say I don't know. Uh, you know, last question before we get out of here, though. Uh, and this isn't on Bigfoot related, but uh, you being part of, you know, this BFRO stuff and having your experiences and, you know, you're your explanation to uh, what Bigfoot is with the, I don't know. And it's saying there's so many other experiences that you don't know what to make of it. What do you make of the idea of dog man that people will see? Oh, dog man scares me to no end. <laughs> um, the, I've heard a bunch of the interviews on your show, you know, Western show. And, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not a religious person at all. Um, I'm spiritual. I just, you know, like, uh, I think the, the quote is, I've, I've no, no, uh, I, I don't uh, dismiss the concept of a deity. I just, I'm baffled by one that takes attendance, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I'm not, I'm not religious at all, but I think the dog, I, in my opinion, I think it's, it's demonic of some sort. It's, it's evil. It's pure, pure evil. Um, just from all the things I've heard, all the stuff I've read, I don't understand what the purpose for that thing would be unless it's to scare people and, and cause havoc. Yeah. I tend to agree with you. I, I don't know what it is, but the stories that I've heard, they, it, they don't seem nice at all. Uh, I've never heard a good experience. Ever. No, no. I mean, I, and you know what the funny thing is? I mean, obviously Bigfoot, the topic of Bigfoot's much more uh, popular and culturalized right. and uh, put into pop culture more and things like that. But you don't hear about a whole lot. Now, I know there are some, but you don't hear about a whole lot of Bigfoot or um, Dogman researchers. And not no. a whole lot of people are willing to throw their hat, their, 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 uh, their name into that hat and say, yeah, right. let, let me start going out in the woods and look, looking for these things. I, I, I hear that they're in this area, that area. Let me go find them. <laughs> you don't hear a whole I, lot of people. I, about I've that. only heard of one. I mean, that guy, Vic Cundiff, is the only one I've ever heard of. Yeah. You know, are you familiar with him? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Vic does some great work. You know, he's got some great rates. He's awesome. He's the only one I know of that will actually go out and look for these things. So, and uh, he's, he's got, you know, bigger ones than I do. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, Jason, I, I do appreciate you coming on and sharing these experiences and stuff. It was a, a good conversation, brother. I, I appreciate it, Tony. It's been a long time coming. I've been looking forward to this since July when we got together last year. Looking forward to talking to you again, buddy. All right, well, before we get to the next interview, let's talk about a sponsor for today's show, which is Ember Wave. Now, Ember Wave is a device that I'm really, really impressed with. It helps you with your body temperature. So if you're in an office space, let's say, and 
You know how it is in an office. Now, I wouldn't know because I've never worked in an office. I control my own temperature in the truck, thankfully. But I don't know if you've ever seen the TV show The Office, but there's a scene where they fight over the thermostat because somebody wants it cooler, somebody wants it warmer, and everybody fights over the temperature in the office. Well, I imagine that's a very common thing because everybody has their own body temperatures. Ember Wave helps you with that. It's a device that goes on your wrist, and by just powering it up, you can choose whether you want it cooler or warmer on your wrist, and it helps you with your entire body temperature. Now, this is something that was invented by MIT scientists, three of them actually, and they came across that problem and they decided to come up with a solution. And I'm really glad they did because even though I'm not in an office, I work in a truck all day. I work in the elements, getting in and out of the truck. And this Ember Wave that I've been using for, I think it's been about a month now, it really has helped me with the temperature changes of the seasons. And I imagine it's going to help you too. Ladies that are going through menopause, this is something that really helps with heat flashes. Also, if you're having a hard time falling asleep, there's actually a sleep mode. Now, this device actually has an app that comes with it where you can control the device from your phone. And so if you're having a hard time falling asleep, hit the sleep mode on your phone and it actually goes through these cycles of cooling and warming to help soothe you to sleep. I'm not kidding you. This is an awesome device and listeners will get $30 off if they go to emberwave.com slash Tony. That's E-M-B-R-W-A-V-E dot com slash Tony and you'll get $30 off your purchase of the Ember Wave right now. So go to emberwave.com slash Tony to get $30 off your purchase. That's emberwave.com slash Tony. Now let's get to Jerry next because Jerry is a teacher who has had the opportunity to travel the entire world and he has spoken to many people who have had Bigfoot experiences and he comes on the show today to share some of those experiences. So Jerry, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me, Tony. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, so I wanted to make sure that we had time to bring you on to share some of these stories because... Uh, you're a Bigfoot enthusiast, and you've never seen Bigfoot, but you've come across people who have seen Bigfoot, and they relate these stories to you. And the way you even described it to me is some of these stories you're hearing, you would think would have been on Monster Quest because they're just so uh, captivating. So uh, you kind of got into this whole thing about you know Bigfoot and looking into it as far as like an enthusiast goes. But ha- tell us how that all kind of unfolded for you. Well, let's see. I just turned 55. So um, I was born in 63. Patty film was in 67. And I just tell people, you know, that that seeing that Patty walk across the screen as a kid was seared in my mind forever. And I'm sure many people in my age group have that that same uh, memory. So I've, I've always had an interest in the subject. But what happened around 2005, I was poked around the Internet and I was just totally unaware of how much information was out there. And I kind of rekindled my interest in the subject, um, and, I, and uh, more particularly is the uh, the Elkins Creek cast from Pike County, Georgia, which was about I don't know forty miles from where I was living at the time in the Grange, Georgia. And I was shocked that a eighteen inch cast had been taken in the state I lived in. So then I started asking around in Georgia and, and talking to people if they heard stories, and was shocked how. You know, people said, yeah, in this county, I heard a story from there. And and uh, I, so from that point on, uh, probably about 2005, 2006, 
I, I just kind of took it upon myself to, you know, drop the subject uh, whenever I could and ask people. And um, I made my way to here to Eccles County in 2009, which is in extreme South Georgia, right on the Florida border. And if you pull it up on Google Maps, you'll see very rural. We have um, 4,500 people in the whole county. And that's when I started getting some stories that I just thought were monster quest caliber. And these were coming from normal people, not people just, uh, uh, you know, telling tall tales and trying to cash in and make money on it. The people just walking around with stories in them. And uh, it just kind of blew my mind at how great they were, some of the stories. And um, then the, just the sheer volume of stories I was starting to get. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things where when you start asking around and you start uh, looking for stories and people see that you're sincere, that's usually when you start, you know, people slowly start coming forward and they start sharing their different encounter stories and things like that. Uh, and I know you spent time overseas teaching. I think you said you were teaching overseas, right? Um, I, I played basketball and yeah, oh, that's right. I did teach. I, I taught ESL in Saudi Arabia years ago for about six years. And then I was a basketball player in Argentina and El Salvador. So, um, you know, I, I, I have the gift of gab. I can talk to people and, uh, and I guess I'm able to just put them at ease and, and I don't, I'm not going to ridicule someone's Bigfoot story. And I think once people realize that you're interested in the subject, seriously, they really start opening up. Um, and I, and let me mention this first story that I got, um, one of my, my students, he came to me and he says, uh, coach, you need to, um, you talk to my mom. She's got a story that you would really find interesting. So I, I went and talked to her in the cafeteria one day at a, at a little luncheon thing we were doing. And, uh, this is a meek, mild mannered person, very quiet. And she said, yeah, my son told me you were going to talk to me. So I'm just going to tell you the story. And she was near, um, somewhere near Valdosta, Georgia. And she was driving. She said it started to rain a little bit and her, her window started to fog up. So she reached down to hit her defrost and looked up in the road and something was in the road and she hit it with her car. And she said to me, she thought for sure she just killed a person. Well, she came to a stop on the side of the road opened her car door and looked back across, across the road. And the other side of the road, she said there was this thing. It was all black. And, and I'm six feet seven, 240 pounds. So I'm a pretty big person. And she said, this thing jumped to its feet and, and screamed or roared at her. And she said, it was thing was much bigger than me. She said, and she said, it took off running into the woods. And, you know, she didn't know what to think because, you know, she's thinking in her head, she's probably just killed a pedestrian. And, um, so she, she had, she gets in her car and leaves and, um, got home and her, her husband asked, you know, what happened to the car? And he, she explained it to him that she had, she had hit one of these creatures and, uh, but the car had to be taken in and then fixed at the whole front end. It was, I don't, you know, I haven't seen a picture or anything, but I, I didn't see any reason for her to lie to me about this. But it was, she had to take it to the shop and get it fixed. It was that bad, the damage. But, um, you know, that story is, you know, fantastic. But at the same time, this is coming from a person who's, you know, I'm sworn to secrecy, secrecy on who this person is. And I have no intention of ever, you know, revealing her. But 
that got me to ask even more questions around the, the county, and they just kept on coming. Yeah, that's interesting, man. Did, did she say what kind of vehicle she was driving? Oh, I can't remember. Um, I really don't know off the top of my head, and I, I, I could verify with her. And at some point, I plan on getting you know, the, these accounts, like maybe on a YouTube video, if she wants to do it. But um, I, I think, you know, I don't know why I'm saying this, but like a mid-sized car, and this would have been probably about, I believe about 14 years ago, somewhere around that timeline. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. it's interesting that she, she doesn't really want to talk about a whole lot. What made her comfortable to talk to you about it, do you think? Was it just the relationship that you had with, with her son as the coach? I think that's part of it. And, um, I, I, you know, I'm very, I'm at the point in my life. I don't care if people know that I'm, a, I'm interested in the subject. You know, if they have, if that's weird to people, I just don't care. And I, I, I noticed though, that people feel at ease when they talk to me about it. And, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a joke to some people, I guess, you know, because I'm the crazy guy who believes in Bigfoot and speaks Spanish and all that. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I, that that's led to other things. Like I got approached by someone at a church near a, a house we were living in. And this was a lady who she and her mom were dropping off garbage one night um, at a, these to have, these to have a dumpster in, in a rural part of the County, I guess. So people didn't have to drive all the way into town. They no longer have this dumpster, but anyway, she said she was like 12 or 13 and you know, how kids, you, you don't really want to do stuff, especially if it's like related garbage and so in a truck and her mom tells her, all right, time for you to, you know, get the garbage, throw it in the dumpster. And she's like, no mom, I don't want to do that. And the mom's like, okay, whatever. So the mom starts to open her door to get out and do it. And as she tells it, she on the door and the door hit something. Well, she looks, and at that time, this Bigfoot, Squatch, whatever, stands up, and they scream. So the thing is, was squatted down, and made its way and squatted down by the door. It stands up and takes off running into the woods. So, I mean, I guess you can um, speculate that the thing was there, probably just, you know, dumpster diving, picking through whatever he could find. But she's told me you know she's very uh sure but it had to be a bigfoot and it, it took off running on two legs um this is a lady i knew from a church we were attending i mean an absolutely normal person um i teach her kids now at school and i i saw her a couple months back when we were talking and you know we just i just asked her you know uh, uh had any new stories and she said no she hadn't seen anything and i asked her also if she has shared her story with any other uh, people and she said, no, you just really got to know the audience because, you know, it's a small community and it's, it uh, can be a, an awkward subject, you know? Yeah. Now is that story in geographical location close to the lady who hit the car? Um, that would be within 20, 20 miles, 25 miles at the most. Okay. Um, and, and that, that location specifically, um, you know, I, like I said, in our before the show, I haven't seen Bigfoot, but I lived near this area she's referring to. I know I used to run by this area every day um, when I would do my long trail runs, and that would be going out toward the Alapaha River. Which, if you know, if you poke around the internet, you'll see there are sightings around the Alapaha in various parts of Georgia. 
And um, that would probably be about uh, a, a mile at the most from where <laughs> it was that February I was jogging out there and I told you I was near the Alapa River and I heard an unbelievable splash into the river. That is very near the site she's talking about. And, you know, not that I've seen Bigfoot, but I, I did see something go across the road one time at incredible speed, but it was kind of out of my line of vision. And I just remember I was shocked at how fast it went from A to B and it was going in the direction of the Lapaha River. So can't say I've seen Bigfoot, but it wouldn't surprise me if that was a Bigfoot. Yeah. And, you know, and I, and I just had to run past that spot to get to my turnoff point. My heart was beating like one of those cartoon characters. <laughs> um, so I, I, I don't have my own story, but I've seen, you know, experienced kind of a little strange things in that general vicinity. Yeah. I know you mentioned to me when we were talking earlier and stuff that uh, the size of what you saw run across the road was about the size of a horse, right? Yeah. I mean, I, at first I, I, I thought it was a deer, but it was just looked so much bigger than a deer. And I was, I mean, uh, lightning speed across like flash. And I just, yeah, it just freaked me out. Um, and like I said, I, you know, it, it was down the road. I was tired and uh, I don't even think I had my contacts in that day, you know, and I'm, I'm nearsighted. So, um, I, I can't say it was a squash, but the, the speed was incredible. So, um, you know, that's, that's as close as I can get to a sighting, but, uh, you know, that's in the area where I know someone s- swears up and down that, that she and her mom saw something take off running on two feet so it wouldn't surprise me yeah so that's the best i can do everybody sorry and <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's fine i mean i host the show and i've never seen one so <laughs> yeah but uh the 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 woman and her daughter that saw one stand up that was near where you possibly could have seen something uh did yeah. they share details about what they saw i, I think it was at dusk and I, I think they're really freaked out, but you know, I, the only real detail I have there is that it was big and it was black and hairy and it took off running. I don't think they saw a face. Um, you know, and, and I, yeah, I haven't, you know, like I said, I'm an enthusiast. I haven't sat down and, and I can't give facial details and things like that. And, uh, and this was a, a conversation at church, but, um, it's kind of light on the details, but they're adamant something ran from that area on two legs. Yeah. When somebody says that it kind of narrows down your options as to what it could be. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I know everybody says, well, bear can walk on hind legs. Yeah. But run. I mean, when people describe running on hind legs, they're not talking about something waddling off. They're talking about something running off on two legs. And, you know, it kind of narrows down what you're talking about there, you know? That that's the way I feel about the whole subject too. We've all seen a bear walk, you know, and it, it you know bears don't stride. And um, I don't know. I just think people are quick to try to explain something where, to me, that's really kind of a weak explanation. And uh, you know, and like I said, these people aren't trying to cash in. I'm just relaying these stories because I just didn't know this many people have, seem to have these stories in them. Um, let, let me let me go transition this one story from a, a coworker of mine. She uh, told me that she had a has a uh, cousin who was hunting, and the guy's a little older than me. And this is a South Georgia guy, you know, grew up hunting and fishing, and used to being in the woods. 
and we, and we have a lot of hunting clubs down here. It's, it's very popular. Um, well, this guy apparently was sitting in a deer stand a little north uh, of Eccles County and into uh, Lanier County. And apparently, you know, there's a lot of um, uh, timber uh, harvested here. Well, there was a, it was a clear cut and the guy's sitting up there. And as she tells the story, he, he looks and he sees in the tree line something come out. And he was shocked at how big it was. Okay. And we've all heard stories about how massive these things can be. And I don't, I never got an estimate, but you know, caught his eye, definitely big. But the thing that freaked him out is apparently this thing ran across the clear cut. Now, you know, when, when they harvest timber, it's not like a football field. It's totally uneven. Right. Well, this thing went from A to B, you know, dead sprint, you know, and you, you, you've all heard the stories of how fast these things can be. But when that happened and the guy, you know, went to the other side, the guy called his buddy who was hunting in another location, told him to come pick him up. He gets in the, uh, the truck and he tells him what happened. And, you know, now keep in mind, this is a South Georgia hunter and fisherman, you know, you know, a good old boy, so to speak, who's done this his whole life. The guy said, well, let's go back and get your deer stand. And he told him you can keep it. And the guy doesn't deer hunt anymore. And that really stood out in my mind that someone, you know, would give up an activity like that, that that's very dear to them. And, uh, my friend said that every year they see him at Thanksgiving at Christmas and they, they, you know, they razz him a little bit and give him grief about that. And his response is pretty much always the same. You can make all the jokes you want, but I know what I saw. And the guy hardly goes in the woods at all anymore. I think they finally coaxed him into doing a little turkey hunting again, but it's, it's not a primary activity for him. Yeah. I mean, and he was out there deer hunting, you said, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, for somebody to be out there hunting, they're, they're out there looking for wild game to take down and not just squirrels, but, you know, a deer is a sizable animal. And for him to be out there to see something that scares him so bad that he doesn't even want to step foot in the woods to hunt, period, anymore. When he was out there to take large game down, uh, it's got to be something pretty serious. Yeah, Um it's just, you know, when you step back and you think about it and, uh, the guy's making no money off it and he's stepped away from a very popular activity of his, <laughs> he, he, he saw something in his mind, at least, I don't know, maybe he's delusional. I don't think he is. Um, I don't think it's a misidentification. You know, you see something sprint off in two legs. So it, it's just yet another story that has, you know, makes me scratch my head. Um, and that's definitely a guy I'd like to interview at some time. And I have his number and I just need to get around to doing that. Um, but, you know, uh, I, I'm looking at my sheet here of, of stories. Um, what was the other one I wanted to talk to you about? Uh, oh, I have, uh, I had my first year here. We had uh, a really cold winter. And when I say cold for us, it actually went to 18. I believe it was a new low wow. at one point. That's the that's the beauty of South Georgia. You know, it's poor man's Florida. We have very mild winters usually. Yeah. But, um, all the kids here, they, they like to hunt and they know, they know how to hunt. And they know that when it's really cold, a lot of the deer like to come out to the road and, you know, uh, get some of the warmth off the, the asphalt. And 
So they knew an area they wanted to go out and shine deer. And um, it was February, I believe, of 2010. Yeah, that would be the timeline. And one of my students, he was a soccer player, um, comes up and he's like, Coach, I got to tell you something. Uh, other night, he and another guy say they were they were they were out shining deer. And it's an area. It's um, when you pull it up on a map, it's Ruiz Road, R E W I S. And you can see it's very remote, very remote. Um, it's, uh, it's a little bit of a marshy area there, but uh, shining deer. And he looks up and he's like, said, there's somebody, you know, and I'm six, seven, like I said, and he said, coach, there's somebody taller than you. And he was like one color, like, uh, like a, a tan color, he said. And he, he, he asked his buddy, said, what's that guy doing over there? And uh, he, his, his buddy, who was a very mild-mannered kid, and uh, he, he said, that's not a man. That's a monster. And uh, they were trying to get it, and he kind of lost sight of it. And he said, by the time he, he was shining, he shined so far down the tree line. He said, the thing had moved so quickly down the tree line, he realized it couldn't be a human because the, the, the rate of speed it got from, from A to B. And he said that's when they realized they needed to get out of there. But um, the the one kid who who told me the story initially, I thought, okay, I'm taking a little mental note here, and 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 I, I wanted to talk to the other kid alone. And he was coming back from lunch one day, and I was doing lunch duty out there, and I pulled him aside and I said, hey, uh, I hear you you guys saw something the other night, and he got really animated. I'd never seen this kid like that. And uh, he said, Coach, we didn't see something. We saw a monster. He said, this thing was out there. It was big. It was fast. And it was, he said, he thinks it was stalking deer. You know, that's what they all thought because I guess the Bigfoot had the same thought they had, that these deer would be coming to the road and enjoying a little bit of the heat. But, um, you know, and, and this kid, um, I see him on Facebook all the time, the, the first kid that told me the story. Um, and I, I know he's going to want to record that story. He's a very, very nice kid. And, you know, he's one of those guys, he's like, you know, I don't care if people believe me. I just know what we saw. Um, the second kid, he, unfortunately he passed away in a car accident about a year ago. So, um, but it was very interesting because they, they both, their stories matched up and, um, it, it, it you know, they, they compared the thing to me, said it looked bigger than me. And it was just, once again, it was very fast. You know, it was like, it, it was in its element. And and that area, I know is pretty much the area they're talking about. It's kind of marshy. And I know it was 18 degrees and stuff would have been frozen, but I just don't see one stomping around, but any, any human getting back in there, much less a guy bigger than me, you know, running down the tree line, trying to impress people. I, I just don't see that happening, especially since people have a lot of guns here. Well, let's talk about our final sponsor for today's show, which is actually a sponsor that I was really excited to have, Simply Safe. I was simply excited when I found out that Simply Safe wanted to sponsor the show because I was already a customer. I'm a very satisfied customer of Simply Safe. Now, I wasn't sure if I needed to have a security system in my house. I don't have a dog, so I don't have that, you know, dog barking if something's going on. 
But I do live in a quiet neighborhood. It's a dead end road. Very little traffic going up and down my street. Not a lot of people that don't live here come down here. Yet, I got simply safe on my house because I wanted to make sure. Because I'm gone from the house a lot, driving truck, and my family's here at the house. And I'm really glad I did because just a month ago, we had somebody's house down the street broken into. It's a rarity. But I was really glad that I had Simply Safe on my house because I even have one of those signs in the front yard that say that this house is patrolled by Simply Safe. Don't come here, leave us alone. You're going to get caught. Turn around, go back. One of those signs. I have that in my front lawn so that even if somebody was thinking about breaking into my house, they know that this house has a security system on it. Now, Simply Safe is one of those systems where when I got it, I was talking to people about it. And they told me that, hey, you should definitely get Simply Safe. So I went out and I got it. But I wasn't sure if the advertising was as good as it really was when it came to installing. This thing is so easy to install, so easy that my wife took my son grocery shopping one Saturday afternoon. They were gone for no more than an hour. And in that time, I set up the entire system in the house. That's how easy it is to set up. There is no drilling. There's adhesive stickies on the back. You peel it off and you stick these sensors around the house where it tells you to stick them and your house is secure. You can set it up to a dispatch so that if there is something going on in your house, dispatch is notified. Now, if you're away from your house and something happens where the alarm is sound, you can give Simply Safe permission to go on the video verification and verify that there is a burglary in place. Now, what does that mean to you? Well, if they can verify that somebody's breaking into your house over the cat knocks something over and set off the alarm, they can tell the police that yes, we have video evidence, video verification that somebody is in their house. And police officers, when they know that, are three and a half times faster at responding to the call, which means less property taken and a possible arrest happening. So that's the absolute benefits of Simply Safe. They have no contract, no hidden fees or fine print. It's only $15 a month. I'm telling you guys, you can't beat that. The competitors are much more expensive. Trust me, I know my father used to work for the competitors and he tells me the stories of the processes that he used to have to go through to install their special security systems by their special people when you can do it yourself with Simply Safe and be just as secure for a lot cheaper and a lot happier. So right now, visit simplysafe.com/confessionals. You'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You got nothing to lose. Go now and be sure you go to simplysafe.com/confessionals so they know our show sent you. That's simplysafe.com/confessionals. Now let's get back to the show. You know that whole excuse and the, you know, idea that oh, you just saw somebody in a costume trying to scare you. I, I think that's getting old and tired now. I mean, that that was, you know, okay to use back in the 70s when they were just starting to look into Bigfoot and reports weren't so rampant. But now, I mean, this is 2019 and we have reports all over the world of these things. And I mean, how many people are out there running around in monkey costumes and hot, hot air, uh, cold air, all times of the year, you know, that are on stilts just to scare people? I mean, it's, and they're, it's ridiculous. They're incredibly athletic, too. Yeah. You know? <laughs> they're they're ath- well, they're athletic and they they're out there. Um, sometimes there's no sighting, but people find these 
gigantic footprints. I mean, seriously, like what kind of loser does that all over the world? You know, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it, it's, and I'm telling you some of these places like here, I, I just wouldn't be, you know, I was told about doing these trail runs. They said, well, deer season starts in a week. So make sure that you have an orange Jersey on and, or a vest, I should say. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, you don't want to be out in the woods here goofing off. I just wouldn't do that. It'd be dumb, you know? Um, and, and, and during those times I just wouldn't run in the woods. I just do something around my house, but, um, yeah, yeah. It's so, you know, then many people are, are quick to throw out those type of scenarios. Well, you saw this or that. It's like my buddy, my, my student, he doesn't, that's not what he thinks he saw, you know? So, um, you know, I, let me, let me put this one by you real quick. This was very interesting. I was teaching at, um, up in Douglas, Georgia for a few years. And this was, um, probably three, four years ago. And I had a homeroom class and we'd done all our activities for the day. And, uh, I'm sure you've come across thinker thunker on the, on YouTube. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. And he, he had that one really great video where he was comparing the, that Bigfoot that was running to, uh, Hussein Bolt, uh, Bolt, I believe. Yeah. And it's since, since been pulled down, but I just, you know, teachers, we have, uh, the, the magic boards, it's a big screen. So I put that up there and you can see the quads bulging on this thing and a big glute and the hamstring is just massive. And, uh, you know, some of the kids are just kind of laughing off and some of them are looking at it and they're like, Holy cow, that looks, you know, that's really great detail. And, uh, one kid, um, far in the room, he says, um, I saw something like that where I live. Wasn't that big, but he said he and his mom were, um, going home from work or going home from school. And this is a very interesting, interesting description. He said that they're living on a dirt road. And he said, this hairy creature on two legs walked across the road. And so they were just shocked. And he said, his mom said something to the fact, hold on, I wrote it down. I want to make sure. I, um, you know, she said, oh, you know, what is, what is that chimp doing in the road? That, that's the, you know, the first thing that came to her mind. And, um, the, the kid though, the student, he said something was really unusual about it. He couldn't put his finger on it. And he thought about it a long time. And he said, coach, what it was, was it walked and it took like two or three strides to clear the road. He said, even though it was walking, he said it covered the distance. Like it was like sprinting. He said it was that fast on a walk. and. He, he, he said he just never could put his finger on it. He thought about it over and over, a replay in his head. And um, he said it, it, it strided like a human, you know, but obviously it <laughs> covered ground faster than a human would on a, on a walk. Well, this kid tells that story. And another kid in class, he kind of listened, he nods, he says, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And he starts telling a story about being on ATV. And they, they kind of, they, I don't think they even knew they lived in the same area. And he said, do you live out in such and such area? And the kid's like, yeah, yeah. He said, well, I was on, you know, XYZ road on my ATV. And it says, I, I come around a, a bend in the road and I catch out of my, my peripheral vision, like on an incline, he said, this big thing stepped out of the tree line, right? As he's coming around. Well, it, it's interesting because we had a, we had a kid um, guy named Cole Minshew, who was, he plays offensive line at Florida State. And he's kid six six, and I'm talking in high school. He's six six, 
310, just huge monster, you know, uh, not a fat kid. You know, I'm talking an athlete. And this kid says, you know, I saw this and I was shocked at how big it was. And he said, for whatever reason, I instantly was trying to compare it to get reference. And he said, I thought of Cole Minshew because he's the biggest person I know. And he said, coach, this thing was bigger than you or Cole as far as height, much bigger. And he said, it was bigger than Cole though, muscle wise, like, you know, uh, width and, 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 um, just, um, you know, weight and, you know, this, this kid I'm referring to Cole, uh, you can, you can Google him on the internet. He still plays at Florida state. He's a big kid. Um, and, and it left an impression on this, this other student that whatever he saw of which he said, when, when the thing saw him coming around, like it immediately just did a pirouette and walked back into the woods. But, you know, here, here I have two kids in my home room start sharing the story. And I'm thinking, man, here it goes again. And, uh, of course, you know, half the class, they're like, oh, yeah, these two jokers there. But I, I don't even think that those kids, you know, knew I was actively seeking stories. They, if they were lying, they were really, um, they, they had done some background research, it sounds like, and to get the, uh, some of the descriptions right on, you know, the, the speed of which this thing can walk and the size. And so uh, that was just a, a story that came out of nowhere and shocked me. Yeah, you know, and it's one of those things where, you're talking as you're the teacher in the classroom, you opened up the topic. This is something that the kids probably wouldn't bring up if you didn't, because you're in high school, you're in, you know, it's like, you don't, that there's a social anxiety, there's social pressures of being in school. And you don't want to be the guy that says that he saw monsters, you know? And so the fact that you opened up the topic to them, uh, kind of probably gave them a sense of, uh, protection where they're like, yeah, I, I've seen that, you know, I think you, I think you did a good job there. Just letting them, giving them that opportunity to share. I don't think they probably ever would have done it otherwise. Well, and I, I'm, I'm real quick to tell them, you know, I've heard similar stories, you know, I, I don't want to shut them down by any means, but um, you, you can really see how some of the other kids, they're, they're just kind of like, you know, the naysayers or the, the people don't believe like, man, that kid doesn't, you know, he's like a normal kid, you know, uh, these two guys I'm thinking of, they were a little rambunctious, but you know, they weren't <laughs> tall. They weren't the guys going around telling tall tales all the time or anything like that. Um, and, and I had a similar experience this year in a, in a Spanish class where, you know, I, I forget how it came up, but I was talking and, and, you know, this is crazy, but I, I've had five stories out of one class, um, this past year. And uh, the one I, I mentioned to you, um, you know, we have a, a, a migrant community here because uh, we have a lot of agriculture in parts of the county. And uh, one of my Hispanic students, he came up to me and says, Coach, uh, my, my dad was telling a story the other night, and he said it really kind of surprised me because I've never heard him talk about the subject. But apparently some, some guys were working, uh, uh, they, were, they were picking uh, palmetto berries between Jennings and Jasper, Florida, which is right south of here. And I didn't, you know, I don't know what people do with palmetto berries, but I think they're used for um, nutritional supplements. I think that's why people will go pick them. And so there's a market for them. And if there's a market, these guys will, they will harvest it. And at any rate, the story that I got was the guys went to lunch and they were coming back and going, I guess, to a, to a picking area and Something came out of the woods, 
one of these creatures and uh, took the guy's bucket and walked off with it. Now the, the kid told me it, it ate some of them. I don't, I don't know. I haven't been able to talk with these guys. I've tried to set up an interview, but it, it, it caused such a commotion that they had to call in a priest from uh, the local um, parish because it, 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 the guys weren't sure if it was a demonic entity. They didn't know what they saw. And it, it, it caused a little bit of a commotion at the camp um, because they, they had this encounter. And they're still kind of spooked about it, I think, because uh, I've asked my, my, my student twice, and he's very interested in the subject too now. We, and I told him we need to go interview them since we both could um, you know, speak Spanish with them. And, uh, it, and I think we're, we're going to try to do that again. You know, hopefully these guys will, will calm down enough. But I, I think there was, a, in their mind, the notion that it might be kind of demonic really really kind of shutting down that conversation right now um and in that same class um i had a i have a kid and you know you've always got those kids in high school they're kind of like the fearless types yeah and uh you know we probably were kind of like that as kids anyway but uh this kid said oh coach i saw one in a hunting camp here and he said um he's like, uh, he, he saw it squat down behind a tree and the kids were kind of razzing him about it. And he, and he looked and said, no, I'm dead serious coach. And he told me well, it was just he and I one day, he goes, I used to be the first person to go through like brush and stuff. He says, I just don't do that anymore. He says, I always make sure I'm in the middle. <laughs> and, I, and I thought, you know, he was kind of embarrassed to say that I think, but I thought that sounds pretty rational to me, but He's like, I don't want to be the first and I don't want to be the last. He said, after seeing that, he said, uh, you know, it, it left an impression on him and he's pretty convinced he saw something. Um, another kid said that he was near, uh, he and some buddies uh, were, pull this up on a map, y'all, uh, Fruitland. This is way out in the the, the, the boonies of uh, of the county, right near the, uh, I think it's called the Swanoochee Creek. Well, these guys were out there, you know, probably having a campfire. And he said it was one in the morning and they were out in this, these timber roads and he's, I don't know what they were doing, but he said he came around a corner and he said there was, he just saw a huge silhouette of something on two feet standing there. And he says, you know, I just saw a silhouette said, but it was big. And he said, I turned around and ran. And he said, before he completed his turn, he said, this thing, it took off also, but he's convinced he said, he can't, you know, hundred percent say he saw something, but, um, he, he, he's got that in his head. Another kid came to me and said he saw one near his property. Um, it's his uncle. He saw it in a region called uh, Hickory Grove. And so I really pressed the kid, uh, you know, pulled him aside. And I was like, well, you know, is your uncle, is he, is he a normal person? Does he have, like, you know, history of, like, you know, substance abuse, things like that? And he's like, no, my uncle's, like, totally normal. Um, and he said he, he's very, you know, he'll just tell you he saw um, something on his, his property one night. And then finally another kid, this is the fifth story I've gotten in one class said that, uh, he, two, two of his buddies were coming back from, uh, one of their soccer games and they saw something go across the road also, uh, in front of their car. And actually I, I do have another kid in the class that has a similar story about one crossing the road near Fargo. If you pull that up in the map, that's another remote part of the County, but they saw something cross the road. And, uh, so I, my point is, I guess, is that there's a lot of people that have these type of stories and I would say probably 90% of them sit on them until you can kind of 
coax them out of them. Yeah, and that's it's just I find it very interesting that you have access to uh, so many of these stories just through the com- the small little community you have. I mean, uh, for you as a person receiving these experiences that people went through and not ever seeing one yourself, it's definitely got to give you this feeling of um, validation of your beliefs in this thing because it's like I, I'm not in a huge community. And all these people have been seeing this. I haven't, but how many people? How many of these people could be just lying to me? I mean, eventually somebody's going to be telling the truth, right? <laughs> well, that's that's what they always say, right? If just one of these stories is true, you know, we, we've got something here. And uh, yeah, that's the thing. I, I, I'm always thinking just the normalcy level of these people. These are not weird people. These are regular folks. And uh, you know, I and I've got even other stories I could talk about and. But, you know, really, they're just stories. And, you know, they, where there's smoke, there's fire, you know. And uh, I, I don't see these guys with YouTube channels and book deals and, uh, you know, at, at conferences. They're regular people. And so, I, you know, I guess what I would, I would tell the listeners is, you know, back in when I used to write a lot about this on my Facebook page, I would just always do Bigfoot in my backyard alert. And I would just monitor a few sites like the bfro.net and just as sites were posted. And it, it's kind of amazing when you see that, oh, someone had a report two counties away from where you live. And I kind of like doing it from that perspective, like places I've lived. I, I'm always curious to see who's had reports, you know, and I'm, I'm originally from North Georgia and uh, a small town Ringgold, Georgia. And it's amazing, you know, up in Murray County and you get up into that part of Tennessee. There's quite a bit, of, quite a number of stories, and um, you know, and I, I don't know the whole procedure, but someone actually vetted those stories, and the person came across as as credible. Um, when I was living in Troop County, I, I would monitor some that site, and there was another one I can't remember the site in particular, but you know, I read a story about a bus driver who said it was early morning. And there was a car in front of him, and uh, something ran between the car and him on two legs. And he said, it, it was, the only thing it could have been was a Bigfoot. It's what it looked like. But he said, it was such a dangerous crossing this thing did. He said, no human would try that. you know. And I'm thinking, wow, that's somebody my my community there is walking around with that story in them. Um, you know, So I, I would encourage people to kind of just look at what's been posted where you live. You might be shocked. And and this is the other the other thing I'd mention is and we talked about this earlier. People that live in cities and suburbs, it's very interesting in that you forget how wild parts of the country are. And I've lived near the interstate most of my life, and and that's a pretty good indicator of like traffic flow and population. And you get off the interstate a while, ten fifteen miles, it's like a different America. And um, where I'm currently living, you know, we've got the Okefenokee Swamp there that goes down to the Cala National Forest. There's, uh, what is it? What would you call it? Like preserve on the, the Florida side of the border of the county. There's not a lot. Like I said, there's 4,500 people that live in this county. When you look at how open it is and how forested and how swampy and how many creeks and riverbeds there are for, if, you know, to, to elude or travel. Um, it, you know, it, you can't tell me that there couldn't be things here and, you know, and, and uh, in a similar vein, we have a lot of stories here of, um, like exotic animals that 
And we had stories here. They called the May Day Lion. There was a sight of sighting of a lion here, and I'm thinking, and this is one of the things that got me to stop doing these remote trail runs I'm out there one day. And I just had this thought, like, what am I doing back here? If this this lion thing were out here, I I, I have no chance. But um, you know, there were multiple people that swore they saw a lion with a bald tail in parts of the county. All right, and so and there's enough deer here, enough animals, I think, for something like that to to eat. Um, it, it, my point is, it's it's pretty wild here, you know. Oh yeah, I mean, I've mentioned this on the show before. How I don't think a whole lot of people that, especially, don't go out in the woods a whole lot or or venture out into you know the thick forested areas that they don't realize how wild America is. I mean, there's a lot of land that is just wild land. I mean, sure, you have houses here and there and stuff, but in general, it's very forested. And, uh, you know, you have this trend right now where it over probably over the last 50 years or so, you have a majority of the population starting to migrate in closer to suburbs and the cities. And the more the population does that, the more these rural areas become more and more wild. Uh, the I think it has a lot to do with, you know, work and things like that. I mean, we're in a technology age and where's technology close to cities and, and suburbs and things like that. Uh, but right. The more that happens, the more the culture kind of almost forgets how wild America is. I, I've said it before on my show, you know, between Philadelphia and Pittsburgh and Pennsylvania, where I'm at, there's a whole lot of nothing. I mean, there's towns, there's Harrisburg, which is the state capital. It's not a very big city. It's probably 100,000 people. Um, but between Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, there's not a whole lot of anything. And that's like a four, four and a half, five hour drive or something like that. I mean, it's a long drive. And so, I mean, it's just one of those things where people don't realize how crazy wild this country is. I remember as a kid, my grandparents actually had a a cabin up in near Williamsport. And I went there one summer and spent two weeks with them. And man, when the lights were off, I couldn't believe how dark it was there. And it felt wild and rustic, you know? Um, Yeah, not all of Pennsylvania is Philadelphia and, and Pittsburgh, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Williamsport right there in the middle of the state and stuff. And uh, I I spent time up there and there's there's not a whole lot up there. I mean, really, there's not. So <laughs> Yeah. But um so uh have you ever had the chance to visit the uh the Sasquatch Museum, I think it's called in Georgia. I think it's North Georgia near like New Yeah, Hope and I stuff. think it's um what is that? Blairsville. I've seen a lot of ads and stuff for it recently and that's definitely on my my short list. I definitely want to go up there. Um, it actually, you know, have the, uh, like the phone company or electric company has their little magazine. There's a nice article here in Georgia on that, talking about the guy, uh, who opened it and he's another one of these Bigfoot addicts and yeah. uh, he just, had he's to, a good guy. He just had to do it. He's a good yeah, guy. I, I, no, I've met him a, a couple times and, uh, David, I can't pronounce his last name. I, I think it's Bacara. Uh, B-A-K-A-R-A. Uh, but David, he's a good guy. You should uh, definitely link up with him because he'd be somebody that you would you would get along with great. And I'm sure he would love talking with you about all the stories that you've, you've uncovered. Yeah, um, I'll definitely I'll Google him. I do need to hook up with him because I go up to that area to visit my folks. They all live in the Chattanooga area. Um, hey, I wanted to mention, um, I don't want to forget this. You know, last year, my, my uh, wife, son, and I, we, we spent the year in Mexico. And, um, I've, I've come across, I, I'm a Spanish teacher and people are probably wondering why is this guy in Mexico? I'm a Spanish teacher. So I wanted my son to learn some Spanish. And I, um, also spent a little time in Brazil. So I speak some Portuguese. So of course, 
I wanted to see if there's any, any of these legends in Spanish and Portuguese. And um, I, I've come across a term, sisemite, and I've always asked my Hispanic students, have you ever heard any stories of the sisemite? And sometimes, you know, sisemitos and sisemita, and no one's ever had an answer. They've never, they're like, didn't even know the term, right? So, and I've heard it's in, in, in uh, Quintana Roo, the Yucatan, and uh, another state, Campeche. That's where a lot of these, and into Honduras and parts of Guatemala. But never got any positive feedback. So last year, I'm, I'm in the Yucatan, Meredith, as I said. And uh, I asked a kid one day at, um, in the town of Progreso on the, the beach. And I said, have you ever heard of the stories of uh, like the wild man stories? And I use that term. And he instantly went to um, uh, a Mayan word. And he said, yeah, 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 I've heard these stories. So, and he told me he had a friend whose father was hunting in the state of Campeche and came across one in a, and, and, on the hunt. And so, of course, I asked, was it near a water source? And he said, yeah, it was actually near a, a river, he said. And uh, so I was like, oh, great. So I got a little nibble there. And uh, I still got to have the kids email. But he also, he, he and I, I didn't write these terms down. They were Mayan words. And, I don't, and that's a totally... <laughs> foreign language to me but uh he used another term and i said well what is what is that and he said that's kind of like a uh sounds like you know these dogman stories you hear but you know the, the thing is they have these sim- some of these similar stories down there in the yucatan and so the the past year i was talking to the lady who cut my hair and um her, her um I don't know she was very she liked to talk as much as i did and so we were talking and asked her about the subject and um, she used the term uh, Che Uinik, which roughly translates into like man of the woods. And then I've come across another term that they call Wepach. So it turns out and it, even in, uh, that, that these stories are in the culture. And uh, the girl asked her mom, who you know, speaks like fluent Mayan, apparently, it's kind of a dying language in the region, but it's kind of more in touch with that part of the culture. And said, yeah, well, yeah, the people in the countryside, they still tell these stories. And um, it, I noticed at the bookstore, they have a lot of uh, books that are um, related to the region. They were trying to preserve the culture. And they have a lot of um, stories like there seemed to be some type of goat man story. But they had the one about the Che Uinik, the man of the woods. And so, um, you know, you look at it and it's a thing as tall as a tree and it's big and it's so I, I found that to be very interesting. And so in the future, I, I'd like to um, do a little more um, research on that. And then, of course, last thing I'd mention in regard to this, even in Brazil, they have these legends of, uh, they call it Peji Gahafa, like Bottlefoot, which is like a, a wild man that apparently can walk in the woods and he can, you know, he can leave impressions that look just like a bottle. He, he can he can leave false tracks in a sense. Um, so these stories are out there in various regions. There's stuff like this in Argentina, Ecuador, and I, it's a really um, rich area for um, future exploration, you know, for people that want to write about this subject. Yeah, it is. There, there's so much information out there. When you start diving into other cultures and things like that, every culture has stories of these things, uh, and not just Bigfoot or Dogman, but just cryptids in general, paranormal stuff. I mean, just... they every culture has these legends of this stuff and a lot of the stuff lines up with other cultures and even time frames. It's very, very interesting. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. 
I was going to say, yeah, it sure makes the world an interesting place, you know, to see normal people talking about these things, you know. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely does. And, uh, you know, it kind of, it's a unifying thing if done properly, you know, like sometimes it divides people and things like that. But if you do this right and you, and you really are sincere about looking at things, it, it unifies people together, cultures. It gives people things to relate to, uh, commonalities. Um, that's one of the things I find interesting about the, all these topics is stuff that the more I talk to different people, it seems like, you know, you got something in common with them and, and you can at least talk about that. So, uh, before we get out of here, I wanted to ask you, you know, what are your plans, you know, for the future going forward here? Uh, do you plan on, you know, documenting this stuff and publishing things or writing a book or anything like that? Oh man. You know, I, I have another blog. I'm a, I'm a, uh, financial blogger. I'm in the fire space and, uh, I blog some and I'm, you know, writing takes a while. So I, I hesitate to say I'm going to write all this stuff, but you know, I do have notes for this. I think at a minimum, these would make, you know, an interesting, uh, uh, e-reader type book. Um, it, because it's just one way to, you know, like you said, document it. Uh, ideally I'd like to put a few of these people on the, maybe a YouTube video, just let people hear a normal person describing what they saw. Um, if they don't want their face shown, I have no problem just recording their voice. But, um, be, and I, and I know a lot of the listeners, they know people that have very similar stories. It just kind of lends more credibility to the subject when you have, uh, uh like we said, normal people telling stories. So I, I do own the domain squatchology.com and I'm probably going to bring that back online. I've just had it on Facebook and I haven't really done much with it. But I've I've got so many things to put out there um, that I really should. But I, I'm I'm going to lowball the expectations here because I'm trying to do my other side <laughs> as well. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what: if you do get Squatchology back up uh, and running, uh, let me know, and I'll share it around our social media so people can check it out. Oh, great! Awesome. Absolutely. Well, Jerry, listen, man, I really do appreciate you sharing these stories and just chit-chatting a little bit about, uh, you know, Bigfoot in general, Georgia and things like that. I definitely appreciate the conversation, man. It was great to be on and it was really fun to share these stories. Um, I, I figured a lot of your listeners would, would, would like to hear these. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, please share the show with your friends. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, email, water coolers. I don't care where you share the show. But if you enjoy this show, please share it with your friends because that is the best thing you can do to help support the show. Also, if you want to join the first in line text message community to get the live firsthand updates before they hit social media, go ahead and text the word YUP, Y-U-P, to 844 844- 215-0819. That's 844-215-0819. Text the word yup and you'll be automatically signed up to receive text message from yours truly. Whenever there's something really important to know, it will be shot out on first in line before even social media. And until next week, friends, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. Bye. Yo, we'll do. Yo, we'll do. Yo, we'll do.
Yeah. <laughs>